Football Podcast. What up, what up, fantasy people? This is the True North Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Travis Seal. I'm back with my co-host Tyrell McLaughlin. What up, Ty? Same old, same old. What up with you? Not too much, man. Just in the swing of the playoffs. I'm ready to try and get some championships. I'm tinkering with a bunch of lineups. How you feeling? I'm feeling great. Yeah, I got a ton of matchups this week. Lots of lots of waivers to do tonight. Yeah, it's going to be a good one, man. Um, so yeah, this is a this is going to be a pretty pivotal show coming into the fantasy semifinals here. Uh, we've got some kind of observations from around the league. We've got some things to get you prepped for moving into week 15. Lots of guys to cover. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of injury news to cover on this pod. Uh, there was a lot going on in the NFL for injuries, eh? Yeah, big time. And there's a lot of ramifications with these injuries. Like there's going to be a lot of, you know, landscapes changed amongst these teams. So, you know, should we make like good Canadians and shovel some driveways here? <laughs> yep not uh not too hard there you don't want to put your back out <laughs> spoken like a true dad mode there yeah totally totally uh you got a shovel with your legs not with your back i think is uh how it goes okay uh, <laughs> but anyways so speaking of sore backs why don't we get into some injury news there man yeah let's do it let's do it do you want to start with mike evans he had a season-ending hamstring injury yeah, that's the big one, man. That's the big one. Um, he's been having a really, really good season. Top five wide receiver along with his uh, his counterpart, Chris Godwin. Uh, who do you think it benefits the most in Tampa Bay? Yeah, I mean, it definitely it benefits Chris Godwin the most. OJ Howard as well. But Chris Godwin, he's over 25 PPR points five times this year. He's less than 12 PPR points only three times this year. So, you know, I'll say it again, air yards or not, Godwin having the yards after the catch ability in his tool bag is just such a trump card. Uh, I just think Godwin, uh, you know, he's off the charts. And, you know, he's, he's super close to leading the league in yards after the catch. I think only Michael Thomas and him have 500 yards after the catch right now. Uh, but, you know... I you got to look down the stretch Godwin is pretty much basically the wide receiver one and I just think with that high floor that he provides and they will keep him in the slot so I'm not too worried about this matchup with Detroit or Darius Slay in week 15 uh you know we and we know Mike Evans is the leader in in the NFL for air yards so you know and not to mention nine targets a game the yards the touchdowns do you think Chris Godwin's like literally the wide receiver one going forward here yeah, I think, you know, even if he gets just a couple of targets more than what he's getting per game, uh, I think he's kind of got to be. Um, that's got, that's quite the big workload that Evans is leaving behind. I do think it does benefit the tight ends and Brashad Perriman a little bit as well. I mean, Godwin has been fantastic. I'm, I'm not sure how much like crazier his production can be, um, but I think it definitely will get a little bit of an uptick. But what do you think about Brashad Perriman? There's there's quite a bit of talk about him kind of taking over a role. Uh, he's got he had 70 yards and a touchdown in in week 14, so that's not terrible. Um, do you think like do you think if there's a situation that you could start him? Yeah, I mean, there's no way I'm starting Brashad Perriman. It's week 15. Uh, you know, if it was week seven, maybe he would enter the discussion about waivers. But yeah, there's no way. That's why I like Chris Godwin is like literally the wide receiver one going down the stretch because I think he'll inherit some of those deep targets. There's no way he can't uh, with that amount of air yards up for grabs and Jameis Winston being the YOLO quarterback that he is. And this offense going to be in negative game scripts, I think. And, you know, the thing is, I, 
I'd put a little bit more faith in OJ Howard uh, than I would mm-hmm. Rashad. Yeah, exactly. And I also like Scotty Miller. I like Justin Watson. Both of them can emerge in this offense. Justin Watson did in week uh, 14 there. So, yeah, no, no for me, bro. Is that the <laughs> yeah. old Randy Jackson? Yeah, totally. That's no for me, dog. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm kind of with you there. It'd be really, really hard to toss Paramin in in your uh, starting roster. So um, I think for me, it is OJ Howard as well. He's he had 11 targets in the last two games. He got 134 yards. That's kind of uh, he's getting a little bit closer to what we wanted to see coming in. So I'm definitely looking at OJ Howard uh, to maybe fill some of the spots of some of these uh, other guys that we're going to talk about in the injury list. We did have a couple of injuries at the tight end position. So if guys are looking to stream there, OJ Howard's probably on quite a few waiver wires. Do you have any interest in uh, the running backs there in Tampa Bay? Yeah, like kind of like you said with Perriman, it's not something I'm going to trust in my roster going into the fantasy semis here. Uh, week 15 is crunch time and, and these guys haven't proven anything this year, really. Uh, so it's not something I'm going to rely on in my roster. How about you? Do you think you would toss like a Rojo or Peyton Barber in there if you needed? No, I mean, I don't even know what's going on with this running back group. I, I kind of railed against Ronald Jones uh, all season, <laughs> and he's splitting with Peyton Barber, and he loses out goal line carries most of the time. So, you know, he's kind of all over the place when it comes to the use in the passing game. And, you know, we know Dare Ogunbowale is there, so he's playing the clear mm-hmm. passing down back slash two-minute drill guy. And, you know, players like Dare Ogunbowale, they could be a PPR asset or they could be a real stick in the bicycle spokes of the other running backs on the team. Like <laughs> ask Josh Jacobs, you know, and yeah, yeah, I just, I, I liked him in the preseason. We were talking him up being locked into this role. Uh, it's one of the handful of reasons we were off of Ronald Jones, but you know, one thing we know for certain is the running back by committee in Tampa Bay will average around three yards per carry and nothing more. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Not really one we're looking at. And it's tough because their strength schedule is really nice. They play the Lions this week who allow a ton of points to running backs and the Texans in week 16. So, Totally, yeah. It's not uh, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that one of those guys could go off, but you just don't know who, so I'm just staying away from that. Do you want to get into the next wide receiver on the list here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so it's from the Monday Nighter. Alshon Jeffrey went down with a foot injury. Uh, he said he heard something pop in his ankle. So Alshon's done for the season. I think it's pretty fair to say we're not touching any of those wide receivers right now, especially for fantasy playoffs. Um, I think we like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside for dynasty stash purposes. Um, what about the tight ends? you think this has kind of an effect? Um, you know, Alshon's declining. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, Zach Ertz, he, he's kind of fitting the bill of one of those tight ends who could age well, in my opinion. And, you know, he, he's tied with George Kittle right now, seeing 25% target share. Kind of makes sense that those two are leading tight ends in target share, uh, given the offenses they're in and the pieces around them. Uh, they're actually tied for six in the NFL in target share. So the volume is definitely there for Zach Ertz. And I think it will be in 2020, even if they add a piece or two in this, you know, wide receiver room. Uh, but yeah, going down the stretch, Zach Ertz, you know, he could be argued as the tight end one. He's kind of like... He's like one of those bees that you see in December and you're like, hey, bee, you're still alive. I thought all you guys were dead, you know. But yeah, Ertz is not dead. He's ahead. He's ahead of Travis Kelsey leading all tight ends and catches. And with Mark Andrews injured in week 14, Travis Kelsey and Ertz are in like an untouchable tier among tight ends and air yards. They're just seeing way more air yards than anybody. And we got, you know, we need to remember last season, Zach Ertz set the record for the most catches by a tight end in history. So Without Alshon there, we could see his targets just skyrocket, and we know the touchdown upside for Zach Ertz increases big time uh, without 
Alshon Jeffrey there who eats up a lot of red zone targets. What what do you think about Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard? Yeah, I think, you know, they're going to be a really good combo for years to come with Ertz having that new contract and I'm I'm kind of excited to see it, and you kind of alluded to it before, is that he's not going to suffer if they add like a wide receiver or two, because I think those guys are just going to open up a little bit of more space for him. Um, I'm really excited to see a little bit more Dallas Goddard. I'm not necessarily certain that he is going to see an increased workload next year, but I think you know the workload that he has had this year has been pretty solid compared to what we expected coming into the season. Uh, so uh, you know, as as a fan, of course, I'm excited about those guys, and for fantasy, I think they're both going to be um, solid options at various level like at varying levels of productivity let's say yeah yeah like i know what you mean like when you're talking about these guys in the fantasy landscape like they're just on different ends of the spectrum like i I do think dallas goddard's in startable territory Mm -hmm. and talking about the weird thing is he's seeing all this volume that you know not a lot of us expected him to see this amount of volume or these amount of snaps but i i've actually been pretty disappointed with what i've seen out of him it's it's weird yeah, there have been some mistakes. Like he does have a couple of ugly drops and, you know, but I think he's pretty trusted though. He's gotten a lot of really nice third down conversions when they needed it. And, you know, you can definitely see the athleticism when he does have the ball in his hands. He breaks quite a bit of tackles. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I haven't minded the the development that I've seen out of Dallas Goddard so far this year. Yeah, he's been a he's been a top 10 tight end for fantasy since week six mm-hmm. so you know he he is in startable territory maybe lost evan ingram austin hooper now mark andrews you know there's there's reasons you could have been starting dallas goddard and could continue to for sure but yeah the drops man he's got to clean those up totally it, it, i i usually i don't care about drops for the most part but yeah he was the booze were poured down as the mm-hmm. eagles you know <laughs> at the end of the first half there that was funny yeah that game was brutal man that was brutal <laughs> it was uh yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad they. But even even the Patriots got booed this week. So. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And I just want to hit one more thing. Lane Johnson was injured on Monday Night Football. Uh, that is a devastating injury if it's serious. So you know that's a big note for the offensive line. And with that, we could talk Miles Sanders. He cramped up. By the way, he was in the locker room, and that kind of accounts for the Boston Scott sighting. It was quite the sighting. Uh, he looked great. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> he gave Janoris Jenkins the old Jimmy legs. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, that was so nice. <laughs> did you hear? We also saw. Did you hear Booger on the on the broadcast saying saying something about how he he did that one time? way back when he was 150 pounds or something like that oh my god <laughs> oh yeah right as if he was ever 150 pounds Tessator kind of gave it to him he says he says uh why don't you tell me about when that happened booger or something like that <laughs> <laughs> probably insinuating that he was never 150 yeah, pounds exactly yeah. it was Jesus good Murphy. it was good so uh so let's get into our next guy he's uh staying in the nfc east uh darius geis um we did mention last week that we thought it would be kind of silly for them to give him like the entire workload they didn't necessarily do that this week but um you know they continued to ride him uh even when he's been banged up and and it kind of bit them in the ass this time uh why don't you give me a little bit of a dynasty perspective on darius geis because that's an intriguing one yeah, I mean, it, it really is an unknown because we have to see, obviously, what happens with Adrian Peterson because they continue to bring him back in Washington. And he continues to be in complete cockroach mode since signing with the Saints back then. So, you know, we're, we're it's really one we're going to have to wait. I hate giving that answer, but, you know, Chris Thompson's always going to be there siphoning a little bit of the pass-catching work. But this offense is definitely going to, quote-unquote, establish the run. So we have to have Darius Geis on our radars because the the talent really is there. I'm not sure I've seen the explosiveness that a lot of people quote unquote saw yeah. here. Uh, I'm not sure 
if he wasn't just hitting some really big holes. And, uh, you know, we've seen some pretty pretty stellar offensive line play in Washington that we weren't expecting, at least in terms of run blocking this year. So, you know, I, I like Darius Geis long-term. I just think he might be a little bit overvalued because he, he does have a lot of people who really like him. Yeah, I mean, for Dynasty, I can't necessarily see them drafting anybody in the running back room with having him there, and especially with all the holes that they need to fill on that roster. Um, I think, if anything, it'll probably be Adrian Peterson coming back or another veteran signed. So they're not obviously going to roll in to 2020 with just Darius Geis, uh, but it'd be interesting to see who's with him because that's going to be a big factor for me as far as how I value him. Yeah, and his use that we infer in the passing game this offseason is going to determine my rankings when it comes to Darius Geis big time. Yeah. I also want to know are for, for the you know down the stretch here in fantasy playoffs, are you looking at Adrian Peterson? I was looking at it. I mean, I have a couple of leagues where where I was tinkering with waivers today and he was sitting out there and I don't know, man. The matchups are pretty tough. He's got the Eagles coming up here. Um that's not necessarily a good matchup for him whatsoever and I just I just don't know if he's someone that I want to trust with with that offense. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I'm probably not. I, I'm hoping I have better options than Adrian Peterson. We know this offense is really going to run the ball, though. So, you know, Adrian Peterson, he's a little bit touchdown dependent, you know. So mm-hmm. I just don't know if you're going to get a big game out of him. But I do think you can get a, a decent floor, you know. even But, you know, Chris Thompson had zero carries last week. But check this out. AP had 20 carries, 76 yards in the touchdown in week 13 in week 14. Also had a gross fumble in this game, by the way. But yeah, zero targets. Adrian Peterson had 13.6 fantasy points in PPR against a bottom five run defense, by the way. Mm-hmm. Chris Thompson had zero carries, but he had the team lead in targets and catches. He had 11.3 points in PPR. I saw that. So, I saw you know, that. on almost one third of the touches, Chris Thompson can do almost what Adrian Peterson can do. So I'm not even sure what I'm saying really here, but I don't really want either of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but they are, they're, they're two of the three highest priorities when you know, Washington is game game planning week to week. And, you know, yeah. I can't hit Washington and leave without mentioning that catch. Uh, Terry McLaurin, he's really, really good. And that one-handed amazing touchdown proves it. Oh, me. man, that was beautiful. That was so nice. It was He's going to be amazing, man. Maybe one more note on Adrian Peterson for Dynasty. Like, these are, don't own these guys. I know it sounds like sour grapes or whatever <laughs> but like i'm even talking about larry larry fitzgerald these kind of even emmanuel sanders i treated this way you know coming you know it sounds stupid now that he was the wide receiver one last week but whatever these are the players they just die on your roster they're unsellable if i it, you know people lay them out like they're suitable for contenders but i rarely find that true in dynasty if my dynasty team is a true contender i have way better options than a larry fitzgerald or a adrian peterson so you know i just those don't own those guys totally they're just gonna they're just gonna clog up your bench and uh eat up space that could have some young upside in it in my opinion so uh, i'm kind of with you on that i don't like having those old guys that you're kind of stuck with on your roster in dynasty leagues okay so let's move into uh to Devonte parker this one kind of sucked he he left with a concussion he's in the concussion protocol uh, uh what do you think it looks like he's probably going to miss this game coming up so you know, what do you think about Devonte Parker going forward? We did talk about him a fair bit on the last episode, uh, so maybe we'll hit him kind of quick, but uh, what do you think? Like, I, I didn't say it last episode. I should say it. You've been right. I've been wrong. <laughs> so, you know, we don't have to dive into him big time. 
but we can't trust Ryan Fitzpatrick without Devontae Parker, in my opinion, you know, so, and the offensive line in Miami looked extra bad this week, so I'm not sure what fantasy relevance I can encourage in this offense without Devontae Parker at all, and Preston Williams, uh, offseason buy alert, mm-hmm. but, you know, for, for, for Dynasty, do you have any interest in Isaiah Ford? He had a lot of backers coming out of college, uh, no. or Alan Hearn. What about Alan Hearns in redraft? Um, oh, I'd have to be extremely desperate to put Alan Hearns into one of my <laughs> rosters in the fantasy semifinals, like either su- supremely desperate or, or have three wide receivers and six flexes to start <laughs> or something yeah, like that. I don't know if we're uh, off to a great role here. We're hitting Adrian Peterson now, Alan Hearns, like, is it 2015 already? No doubt. Well, we're going to get into uh, the juicy ones pretty quick here, so <laughs> no need to worry there. Um, one quick mention as well, Patrick Laird did have 19 touches. He's a bit of a darling in the fantasy world right now. Um, Patrick Laird could probably be started in some teams. What do you think? Yeah, I have him on a ton of rosters right now. <laughs> what I wanted to ask, what's your thoughts on this wide receiver group headed into 2020? I uh, I don't know. I think if I on on my dynasty teams, I would much rather have Preston Williams. Um, you know, he's he just does a lot of things better than Devonte Parker, like you mentioned. Uh, you've been kind of hammering the table for Preston Williams since the preseason, pretty much. Um, and I think that's looking good going into twenty twenty. So if I can buy him low, uh, I I think we're both in agreement that you should probably go out and try and do that. Yeah, I think, like, Miami overall has a nice core to build around for wide receivers. Like, we'll see what happens with Devontae Parker. He's on a $5 million deal with the team option thingy, I think. Uh, Not sure if he'd hold out after a career year. We'll have to see. There's always that concern. Uh, But if he is there, Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, they're very intriguing options for a young quarterback to, like, come in and grow with. But with an abundance of draft picks in this class and a glutton of wide receiver talent, uh, you know, the Dolphins could add at any point in the 2020 draft. What the Dolphins do in the draft will determine all the other wide receivers' value for Dynasty and all that. I think they do draft wide receiver, but, you know, whether they draft one early and stop or pass on early wide receivers and, you know, with a super needy roster, they could definitely just draft a couple late. Yeah, for sure. I could totally see them kind of putting a little bit more trust into Preston Williams and Devontae Parker having so many other holes on the roster, especially at the running back position. Obviously, we're like 99.99% sure that they're going to be taking a quarterback. Uh, so, so you know, I could see them rolling into the season with uh, Parker and Williams and, and not worrying about it too, too much. Yeah, and Mike Gesicki's really, really taking a next step here in the back half of his, his – uh sophomore season here so yeah Gasicki his his name to me feels like he should be in the movie Grease or something <laughs> don't you think like Gasicki hey Mike hey, hey Mike hey Gasicki what you doing yeah, totally you know <laughs> fucking yeah, call, like call him Grease Lightning Grease Lightning Gasicki <laughs> Okay, so the next one, um, Mark Andrews. He he actually practiced today. It was just a walkthrough, but he did practice. Uh, I was definitely a little bit sketched out about the Mark Andrews injury. It was just kind of weird how how he went out so early and didn't come back. And then after that, they say that it's minor. It kind of seems kind of weird that he sat out the entire game if it was so minor. But um, they say it's a deep thigh bruise, uh, which I could totally see how that could keep you out. That would probably hurt. Um, what do you think about Mark Andrews? Would, were you concerned at all that he would miss? Do you think he, he may miss still? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they, I'm, I'm pretty sure they play on Thursday night. So I actually don't expect him to play at all uh, this week. So definitely plan for him not to be there hope for him to be there but plan for him not to be there in my opinion and 
for Dynasty, I think it's kind of a knock on Mark Andrews. He's shown a little bit of durability concerns, and, you know, he is a little bit lighter when it comes to tight end. So, I, you know, I love Mark Andrews, and mm-hmm. he he's about to kill my de- freaking best balls if he is uh, if he is out. So, I have a lot of winning best balls that he's my, my only tight end that's really starting. Yeah, for sure. He's on quite a few of my teams as well. But like you said, I, you know, I, I am looking at uh, alternatives just in case. Um, but I'm kind of hoping that the uh, the practicing in the walkthrough um, was kind of a, a good sign. So again, with all these injuries, we are going to be waiting for the Wednesday practice report. We do record this podcast on Tuesday night. Uh, so uh, we are waiting with bated breath on those uh, Wednesday practice reports. So all we can do is give you kind of our speculation and, and uh, little bits of information that we've heard so far. Uh, but like I said, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that Andrews plays this week. I think another you know, important note is that Mark Andrews doesn't need for even 40% snaps to have a big game for fantasy owners. He's been under 40% snaps constantly this year while putting up top five tight end numbers. Totally. He almost had a touchdown in that game this past week where he went out early. So um, he doesn't run a ton of routes. Like you said, he doesn't need a ton of snaps. So uh, Mark Andrews in is Mark Andrews. If Mark Andrews is in, I think I'm starting him for sure. Yeah, and it really is just scheme-based. Like, Baltimore runs so much too tight end with Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle out there to run block. So Mark Andrews is always out there to catch passes. So we love Mark Andrews for Dynasty. Totally. he's He's been fantastic this year, and uh, I'm happy I've got him for sure. Okay, so let's stay uh, tight end, but let's move on. Let's go to Jared Cook. He's not ruled out for week 15 yet. He has to clear a concussion protocol. And the Saints play Monday Night Football, so Geraldine does have the extra day there. Uh, <laughs> but we know, as the <laughs> we know as the years go by, concussions are dealt with more seriously. Players have constantly been inactive the week following a concussion. What do you see here? Do you think this condenses the offense in New Orleans? We, we've really taken for granted how like not spread out this offense was last year. Ask Alvin Kamara owners. Yeah, yeah, man. I think I think you said it. I think it just kind of puts it back into just Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. I think there will be a little bit of Latavius peppered in because he has been working his way in a little bit more over the past three weeks or so. Um, but I, I think with Cook out, it's going to be Kamara and Michael Thomas. Um, Kamara needs it, man. Yeah, I think touchdown upside is like, what he offers the offense if Jared Cook's out. I mean, Michael Thomas was the was number one in the NFL in red zone catches with 22 last year. Alvin Kamara was number two in the NFL with 20 catches last year as a running back in the red zone. Uh, the third highest players were tied with 16. So those two players just had a crazy amount more red zone catches than any other players. It's, it's really incredible. So, you know, maybe we could save the Alvin Kamara combo and Latavius. Yeah, uh, sure. I think we're going to hit Alvin Kamara later. Yeah, definitely. So let's keep that. So, um, yeah, I mean, Jared cook has been, has been playing pretty well recently. Uh, it, it kind of sucks because in, in kind of a sketchy tight end landscape, you kind of want those guys that you can count on. And I, I think you, you could count on Jared cook if he was in there. Um, but I, I think, you know, you're not really looking at any other options for, for redraft. Uh, do you think Jared cook, uh, stays in in New Orleans and do you think you know if he can put some health together he can be one of those top 10 tight ends that you can count on going into 2020 I think I think he probably does stay in New Orleans but you know he's also been quite the journeyman in his career so it wouldn't surprise me if he goes elsewhere but I, I don't have very in, very much interest he's very old uh, I think it would surprise people to learn how old Jared Cook is I won't 
disperse his good name by divulging his age, but he's old. He's 32. <laughs> and, you know, we know tight ends, they play a little bit later into their career, but he is, you know, kind of an athletic tight end who's dealt with injuries through his career. So, you know, I don't have a lot of interest in Cook long-term at the tight end position. There's just too much youth coming up in that position. And even going down the stretch here, I don't have any interest in him this week. You, you have to wait till Monday night football. You can't have a guy that you're waiting on bated breath when it comes to injury who plays on Monday night in your fantasy playoffs. Uh, you're going to have to bite the bullet and start somebody else. Plus, you know, the Colts this week, it's a 50-50 matchup. I consider it a poor matchup. Uh, mm-hmm. They've been very stout against tight ends since their week six bye, even though O.J. Howard can't break, you know, kind of let him up last week. And yeah. then, you know, week 16, Tennessee is a pretty nice matchup on paper. They allow the seventh most points to tight ends, so... You know, Jared Cook could have use in fantasy championship, but I'm avoiding him this week, avoiding him in dynasty. Yeah, I feel you on that, man. I feel you on that. So uh, should we get into our next guy here? Uh, He was kind of a big waiver wire ad, and people were looking for him to potentially give you some league-winning upside. We're talking Rashad Penny over in Seattle. Um, He's out out the rest of the season with a torn ACL. Uh, That's a tough break for a lot of teams. What What do you think about Penny's injury? Yeah, man, if you got him off the waivers, that's just another another one. Man, the zero RB players and their desperately relied upon waiver wire ads, uh, they just continue to fall off the off the map. And I have a few pennies to my name, so this time, Trav, it's it's personal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I actually have a couple yeah. of couple of pennies to my name as well. So it was a tough loss for teams and tough loss for the Seahawks too, because they were kind of hitting their stride and they were able to play a little bit of smash mouth football with two two running backs who could tote the rock. So um, I think you know, as far as the running back room for me, I'm not I'm not looking at CJ Procise. Uh, I think it's more of a boost for Chris Carson that nobody's going to come in and usurp him with that first round draft capital. So, and even going into next year, you know, a torn ACL, that's a pretty long recovery. So we don't necessarily know what, uh, what Rashad Penny is going to look like going into 2020. Um, what are you thinking for Carson? Yeah, for, for this year, Chris Carson, he was seeing top five volume among running backs. So Seahawks will continue to play smash mouth football, no matter if they have zero running backs on their roster. Yeah. I'm pretty pretty convinced of that and bef- yeah like he was seeing top five volume before the fumbleitis collided head-on with Rashad Penny playing great football without Penny there you know there there's that small risk of fumbling you know CJ Procise is there he could see the passing work even though he was active and Carson saw all the running back targets post Penny's departure in that game in week 14 you know all, all we need to say is Chris Carson is probably the running back one or two or three overall for the next two weeks. They play the Panthers this week. The Panthers allow the most points to fan, uh, running backs in fantasy. Uh, they've allowed the second most rushing yards behind the Dolphins, and the Panthers have allowed 24 touchdowns to running backs this season. They've allowed 21 rushing touchdowns to running backs. That's the most in the league by seven. And Chris Carson gets Arizona in championship week, another plus matchup. And in week four, Rashad Penny actually didn't play, and the Seahawks did play. They played Arizona. And Carson had 18 and a half uh, PPR points in that game. And guess what? CJ Procise had a short vulture touchdown. FYI. Totally. I'm uh, I'm firing up Carson um, and I'm pumped for the teams that I have him on because this is a really good time of year for us to have no questions about his workload, right? So uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Any other Seattle notes there? Yeah, like I do. I think I, I got one big note. I think it helps the passing game in Seattle. You know, there's a scenario 
you know, a very small range of outcomes that we've all hoped for forever and ever, and that's unleash Russ time. Josh Gordon would become super fantasy relevant, the wide receiver three there. Uh, either way, Tyler Lockett, he should. I, I think he might return to like God status over the next couple weeks here. They should get him going, going into the playoffs. DK Metcalf, he should see deep targets from the best deep passer in the league, and the red zone efficiency is off the charts with Russell Wilson at the helm. So just, I, I just think light up Lockett, obviously, but I think you can light up DK too. Totally. You know, you're lighting up those guys. Do you have any thoughts on Josh Gordon or those two? Uh, Josh Gordon isn't somebody that I'm using in the fantasy playoffs. Uh, Lockett, I'm firing him up. I still have confidence. There's been a couple of down games, but, you know, he was sick last game and that, that can affect you. So I would start DK and Tyler Lockett for sure these next two weeks. And I'm loving having them on dynasty rosters moving forward as well. Josh Gordon, you know, he's kind of like a deeper roster guy for Dynasty for me, just because I don't really know where he's going to be in the future. And I don't know, you know, what kind of role any team's going to give him. Um, But if he's on my roster, fine. Um, He's not someone I'm looking to pick up for the future, though. Okay, so from a troublemaker, let's go to kind of like a goody two-shoes guy. Calvin Ridley, he <laughs> left with an... <laughs> doesn't he kind of feel that way? You know, just like... I, a, I totally, Everyone called totally. him polished coming out of college, you know, went to Alabama. For blah, sure, blah. exactly. So anyways, he, he left with an abdominal injury. He's out for the year. We still want to hit him next epi when we talk sophomore wide receivers, mm-hmm. but, you know, we should just talk because Matt Ryan owners who thought like Matt Ryan did, he would have his full array of weapons available to him again. He, he doesn't now. So what, what are you seeing in Atlanta down the stretch here for such a pass-heavy offense? Yeah, well, I think there's a couple of trickle-down effects there. I think kind of much like Austin Hooper's injury was for Ridley, I think Ridley's injury is going to do the same for Austin Hooper. Um, he had decent volume in Week 14, and I think, you know, that could potentially go up. Austin Hooper is still a top six tight end, even after being injured for a few games. And I mean, on a points per game basis, he is the number one tight end with 16 points per game. So Austin Hooper is, you know, locked in. You're starting him as a tight end one, obviously, this week. Um, and I think, you know, for Dynasty, I'm not necessarily sure if the landscape's going to change that much. I think it's still going to be Julio Hooper and Calvin Ridley going into next year. So um, for Dynasty, not so much, but just a quick, quick touch on. Uh, these fantasy playoffs. Russell Gage is a little bit intriguing. Uh, He's had uh, 17% target share in the five games prior to week 14. He did have a down game with Hooper back, Um, but previous to that, he had 17% targets. Actually, only two less than Julio in that span, so I think he could have some intriguing volume uh, if you got the plums to pop him in your lineup, but in a start start three wide receiver leagues, if you were somebody who had like a Juju and uh, you know another injured wide receiver two or something and you're kind of looking for a volume option i think russell gage could be surprising yeah i think russell gage is in play i mean we got to remember the falcons are the pass heaviest team in football they're top three in passing yards and their wide receivers have seen the most targets of any wide receiver group in football so you know maybe i'll I'll hit julio jones because there's there's some talking points for julio jones he has not scored a touchdown since week three Mm -hmm. nine straight games without a touchdown for julio that's his longest touchdown drought of his touchdown drought filled career and you know (laughs) He's probably helped. Uh, more volume is always going to be good for Julio. It's kind of what he's been missing this season. I've, you know, I've really beat that drum. But Julio being outside the top twenty in target percentage is unreal. He's, you know, down about five to ten percent what he's used to seeing in target percentage. So if he can see the volume, he could see a rebound. We'd hope. And the running, you know, the running backs aren't used very much in the passing game in this regime. So I, I just think it, it. 
we have to see a rebound from Julio, basically. Totally, man. Yeah, he's only wide receiver 15 on the season in PPR right now. So, I mean, from what we expect from Julio, that's pretty disappointing. Um, if we look at the matchups for the fantasy playoffs, he's got San Francisco coming up in week 15, and they are pretty rough on wide receivers. Um, I think with Julio, though, you know, he is pretty generational, so um, he could still put some numbers up, but this defense is pretty good. And I know that Richard Sherman is a little bit banged up. Um, I haven't seen yet. Do you know if Sherman's going to play or not for the Niners? I don't, but I do know he is hurt, and I, I doubt he plays. Yeah, yeah. Um, that could be interesting for Julio. He's averaging eight targets per game right now. We'd like to see him in that double-digit range, but um, eight targets per game, he can produce on that. So, um, And then I think we know in uh, in Dynasty Leagues, he is getting up there in age. So for me, Julio could potentially be a sell moving into next year as draft season approaches. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think I, you know, we, we could talk more about it when we hit Calvin Ridley in the, the sophomore wide receiver episode, cool. but I, I definitely agree that Julio's and he, he's not a buy we'll put it that way yeah yeah definitely and you've heard us mention that sophomore wide receiver uh, episode that we talked about a little bit uh, we are going to have a second episode this week uh, it'll be coming out the day after this podcast is released so uh, stay tuned for that it's going to be a really good dynasty uh, kind of look ahead type episode but do you think we should move on for the uh, week 14 injuries here yeah, let's do Josh Jacobs. Just you know, just a quick ups for Josh Jacobs because we haven't talked a lot about him mm-hmm. this year, but he is playing off the charts. His yards after contact is ridiculous. He has 61 broken tackles on PFF uh, while playing with this fractured shoulder since week seven. That's nuts, uh, man. Yeah, like a lot of people don't realize that he's been battling this all year long. So I think our concern when we talk Josh Jacobs going forward for this season could be that Oakland is out of playoff contention. Uh, they could play it safe with their first round running back. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking, man. If I'm a Jacobs owner and I do have him in one of my important home leagues, um, I'm pretty concerned and I'm trying to make other plans because, you know, he's getting, an, he I, he may have gotten an MRI already, but I know he's getting one this week. Um, you know, there's, there's a chance they could easily shut him down for the rest of the season, in my opinion. Uh, with that being said, uh, DeAndre Washington is looking pretty intriguing going into week 15. Uh, he did kind of take the, uh, the, he kind of did take the lion's share of the workload of that backfield with um, 66% of the running back opportunities in Oakland in week 14. So uh, what do you think on DeAndre Washington? There was a little bit of hype around him a couple seasons ago before uh, uh, when it was just kind of him and Jalen Richard in that backfield. Yeah, and I actually, I liked him as a, you know, it was after Latavius Murray had left, that offensive line still looked good on paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were aging, but yeah, I actually liked DeAndre Washington as a fantasy option that year, but you know what I saw from him in this game just absolutely infuriated me to be completely honest uh he was used as a three down back he had six catches Mm -hmm. as you know the Raiders played from behind all game seven targets yeah like where's that for Josh Jacobs unfair I know it is so unfair ridiculous he he also led the team in carries you know he had 14 carries Jalen Richard seven you mentioned the opportunities he also played over 60 percent of the snaps and yeah, it's just so, so unfair that he led Oakland in targets. Josh Jacobs would be a top three running back with, you know, just mediocre passing work this season. Yeah. Give him five targets a game or something. Just give him yeah. that. So DeAndre, DeAndre Washington was the running back nine in PPR leagues for week 14. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. You know, Josh Jacobs will be an interesting peg in drafts next year. He has so much potential in the passing game and, you know, he led all running backs at the combine and yards per route run and yards per target in college. So I just think Jacobs could smash next year with mm-hmm. passing work. Or he could be the next Joe Mixon. 
for sure. And, you know, I think if he gets any of that passing work, he could potentially be a value in some leagues because guys could be looking at the lack of passing work from this year and devalue him a little bit. But, uh, you know, if that goes up, man, hello. Mm-hmm. Might have a lot to do with what they add in that in that offense when it comes to pass catchers. Yeah, for sure, because they're going to need it. Like, they're pretty thin at the wide receiver core. Uh, I think they're a candidate to draft one of those kind of top guys coming into the 2020 class. And with pass catchers and top guys on the mind, let's go to DJ Chark. You know, we want to dive deeper on DJ Chark on this next epi that we talked about, the sophomore wide receiver epi. But DJ Chark injured his ankle late in the fourth quarter, down 35 points on the scoreboard, might I add. Mm-hmm. Uh but so Count Chark is week to week. He's in a boot. Seems incredibly doubtful for this week. Now that it's week to week time for fantasy owners, are you straight up dropping DJ Chark? Would you rather like a running back with upside on your roster at this point? Mm, depends how deep that roster is, but I don't I don't think I would drop him just yet. Yeah. Uh, I, I still haven't seen a full report on what the actual injury is, uh, but I am planning for him to be out this week. But if he's back for fantasy championships, uh, I, I'm going to hold on to him personally. But I mean, as far as fallout from DJ Chark's injury, if you know, I think we're we're both thinking he's gone this week. So for me, Chris Conley is a smash wide receiver start against the Oakland Raiders. What do you think? Well, you mentioned it. Let's talk their strength of schedule because, yeah, it is very kind mm-hmm. to wide receivers here. Uh, Oakland this week, it, you start them all, basically. I, yeah, Didi Westbrook, I, it's, he's just a frustrating player. He's second in targets in that game. He had seven targets, six catches. He had 25 yards, giving PPR a black eye, Didi. Come on, man. I think his touchdown upside is really limited. The whole passing game is kind of an avoid if Chark is out for me, even against these crazy good matchups. Like, I just really? think... I think Conley, Westbrook, Keelan Cole, these guys are going to show up on the box score, but I just don't know how valuable they're going to be for fantasy, and I, I just can't imagine squeezing them in. Like, even though playing Oakland, playing Atlanta, these are such desirable matchups, I still can't pull the trigger, I don't think. See, I could see a couple of situations where I would. You know, I, I love Chris Conley, and, you know, he has gotten a lot of deep targets. He hasn't quite got as much as DJ Chark has. Uh, but, you know, Chris Conley has 71 targets right now, and, and he's got he's actually got 632 yards on the season. I was kind of surprised to see that he has that much. So uh, I think he's an interesting player, and I think, I think he has the game to kind of take over that role that DJ Chark has been playing for the Jags. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I'm actually, I still have a little bit of interest in Gardner Minshew over these two weeks. If you're really desperate at quarterback, he, there's not a lot of nice streamers. I'll put it that way this week. So Mm -hmm. Gardner Minshew is very much in play. Yeah, so keeping it going, we are staying in the AFC South, actually. We're going to talk Derrick Henry. We talked about it previously. He's having one of those outlier top five, no passing work seasons. Are, Are you concerned about him missing? You know, I'm, I'm not concerned about him missing. He, he tweaked that old hammy. Uh, he's been on the injury report for a couple weeks with that hamstring. That's so. a big old hammy, yep. that one. <laughs> yeah, man, that is huge. <laughs> yeah. uh, probably the same as we saw last week, though. Less practice than the week before. But I'll, I'll be concerned if he's a do not practice today, which is Thursday when people are listening. But mm-hmm. if he's limited, that will be the same trend as we've seen. I'd be... I, I'm pretty confident he's going to play in week 15. What we have to worry about is him re-aggravating this injury. The injury, the the risk of re-aggravation goes up and up as, you know, the longer he's dealing with this. And we saw him re-aggravate in this game. So it, it, I, I'm scared. I'm scared. 
Because, like, O. Henry lately, man, like, Tannehill is getting a lot of credit, and rightfully so, but Derrick Henry has nine touchdowns in the last five games. He's over 100 yards rushing, four straight games. In the last six weeks, Derrick Henry is the running back, two behind Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, of course, he's, you know, 28 points per game in that stretch. Derrick Henry is number two at 26.8 points per game in PPR. Like, the advantage you're getting from Derrick Henry this season is just ridiculous. He's over 10 points per game better than Zeke over the last six weeks. Yeah, he's he's been pretty lights out, man. He's he's someone who I was kind of wrong on going into the season. You know, I thought he'd have a maybe mid running back two season. I didn't think he was gonna blow up like this, and it's been pretty cool because like like we mentioned, he's he's had kind of an outlier season. Yeah, and you know, for dynasty, he is a free agent this off season. We we got to see if anybody's willing to give him that big deal, like we saw Todd Gurley, David Johnson, all these players sign. We're not sure if anybody's gonna be willing to fork that over, especially the Tennessee Titans. So we'll. We're going to wait on bated breath for that, especially when they have to, you know, sign Tannehill to this presumed long-term deal, apparently. And for for this week, you know, Derrick Henry, if he plays, he's playing Houston. They allow the six most points to running backs. But I just want to note that Houston is so bad versus running backs because they allow the most catches, the second most receiving yards, and they've allowed seven receiving touchdowns to running backs this year. So, you know, it, it's a little, this whole week sets up poorly uh, for Derrick but, you know, no time like the present to get that passing game going, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Can you imagine if he was getting some of that passing work? Hooey. And he also gets the uh, New Orleans Saints in championship week, and they're they're pretty stingy against running backs in fantasy. Yeah, totally, totally. I think I think he would probably still produce if he was playing, but the biggest worry, of course, is the re-aggravation, like you said. So uh, keep an eye on that, but he was limited, I think, through Friday last week. So um, from everything that we have seen, uh, he, he should be good to go. Yeah, he sure is making himself some money right now. Oh, absolutely. I actually do think he's going to go back to Tennessee, but uh, we'll probably talk a bit of that in the offseason, of course. So back to uh, another tight end. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit of Noah Fant? Uh, you never really like seeing a guy get carted off. Uh, it was a foot injury, so we'll kind of see because as a big dude uh, running a bunch of routes when he's out on the field, um, his foot is pretty vital to his game. Uh, what are you thinking for Noah Fant? Yeah, I mean, I don't even want to talk his injury too much because it's pretty muddy. It looks serious because, you know, after he had 100 yards receiving, had an amazing touchdown in that game, but he was also carted off with a foot injury. So, you know, I presumed it was pretty serious, but a lot of the early rumors are that it's not super serious. So we'll have to wait and see when it comes to Noah Fant's injury. But I love what we're seeing from Noah Fant, and I love what we're mm-hmm. seeing from Drew Locke. He threw for over 300 yards. Only John Elway and Tim Tebow have done that as rookie quarterbacks for Denver. Uh, I really just wanted to put those two in a stat together. Uh, <laughs> well done. You made it happen. <laughs> and all the only thing I want to know is Noah Fant versus TJ Hawkinson. Where are we at? That's a pretty close one. That's a pretty close one. We've, you know, we saw a little bit, a little bit of production from TJ Hawkinson. We know he's going to be on the field a lot because of his blocking prowess. Um, Noah Fant's not the blocker; he's the route runner. I think Noah Fant probably has more receiving upside, in my opinion. I I would probably look Noah Fant uh, more so than than TJ Hawkinson going into next year, just because you know he doesn't have those two solid wide receivers on the outside like uh, like. TJ Hawkinson does obviously he does have Court and Sutton and they are a candidate to add to that wide receiver group but I think they drafted Fant to be a focal point of their offense and uh, I think he will be that good Fant rant (laughs) what about you where do you stand on those two yeah you know me I've been Fant since day one Mm -hmm. slightly like I'm gonna have these guys in the same tier their entire careers are gonna be compared to one another when it comes to me personally because you know, they're just such different arguments. I think Hawkinson, looking back five years in the future, we could look back and say, 
you know, Hawkinson is the best tight end in football by far. Mm -hmm. And it won't surprise me at all because he has such phenomenal every down upside. He's seen so much volume in the NFL. He really only had one good week in week one, though, uh, that everyone kind of cling to. So I do think when it comes to Noah Fan, I just love that we've seen the production in the NFL already. He had a catch this week that, you know, was right on the sidelines, and it was just the presence of mind for him to turn it up, stop his feet, look upfield, turn upfield, and get an extra, like, 30 yards on this one catch. I just really, really like what Noah Fan's all about. He just needs to clean up a little bit of the drops. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much his only issue he has. And in my opinion, he's already shown that he has he's definitely not above his head in the NFL as a rookie tight end. He's going to he's going to set marks that we really, really covet when it comes to uh, careers going forward for for fantasy when it comes to tight ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. He's going to have one of those um, one of those 500 plus yard tight end seasons, which you don't necessarily see very often. That's for sure. So I, we both like Noah Fant and he's been a great stream. And if he does play uh, going into the next couple games, I think you can stream him as that offense is kind of condensing into the Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton show in the passing game. But should we move on to the division rival Kansas City Chiefs running backs? Uh, we don't necessarily know what's going to happen with Damian Williams. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think going forward with the, Ch- with the Chiefs running backs, Ty? Yeah, I think the the Darwin Thompson thing is really frustrating. It might be one of those rare examples of somebody being a running back being so poor in pass protection that they actually can't make the field. It's really frustrating to watch because I really like Darwin Thompson, but when it when it comes to this backfield, we talked about it a little bit either last week or the week before, but. You know, the Chiefs are down when it comes to red zone carries, when it comes to touchdowns in the rushing game. Like, they're down in a lot of these stats that we've chased over the years, and it's usually come from one running back. Now we have three to deal with. I do think they would be wise to rush Damian Williams back here. Uh, (laughs) You know, they need him. Then he's the only thing that worked last year. He's the only thing that's worked this year, basically. Shady McCoy, somebody I have almost zero interest in. He's getting very little touches. They can't trust him around the goal line. I hate the way he carries the ball for the last Mm -hmm. 15 years straight. And... You know, I he was one of my favorite running backs when he was young. He just doesn't look like that anymore. He's still trying to make the shoulder moves and everything, but he just can't. When we lay out this backfield, there's Damian Williams, there's Shady McCoy, and then there's Spencer Ware. Spencer Ware led this team in snaps this week. So, you know, it's a really muddy backfield. If I had to pick one, it would be Damian Williams. Like, if I if I got asked, who are you going to keep on your roster out of those three players heading into the fantasy playoffs, it's going to be Damian Williams, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Because you've been making other plans. Um, if you're an owner of those guys, you've been making other plans at the running back position. So at that point, you're just keeping the guy who does have the ability to give you the boom week. And I think if Damien's out, you said it, they've got three guys that they're going to be kind of peppering in and out. Uh, I like that you mentioned Spencer Ware, though, because he did have a really, really good season in that Andy Reid offense uh, a few years back. Um, so we've seen him do it in that offense and they brought him in because he knows the system. So it's going to be interesting especially with him leading the backfield in uh, in snaps this past week. So if Damien's not back, I'm not starting any, just like you said. And uh, I like how you framed that as far as Damien's the only guy who you would want to keep on your roster, even with his, his injury being a little bit murky. So you don't disagree with that? Like if you had to pick between those three, you have to cut two of them. You're keeping Damien Williams? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And, you know, it's... I thought it was hot taking it up. No, I, I don't think so, really. Like, I, I can totally see where you're coming from because uh, I mentioned last podcast, and I think you did too, that um, with him out, these guys are kind of an avoid. Like, I, I, I have Darwin Thompson on a roster, um, 
right now, but he's one of the guys who I'm looking at potentially dropping if I need a guy off of waivers, just because uh, the three headed monster is just not, not working. And it's, it's not a headache that I want to be a part of when I'm trying to push for the title. You said it. Whoop, whoop. Last guy we're going to talk here as far as the injury news is Marvin Jones. Uh, this one kind of popped up surprisingly for me today, Ty. I don't know about you. Um, a knee injury, and they put him on IR. Yeah, really unfortunate. I mean, not if you're a Kenny Galladay owner because mm-hmm. we were starting to have concerns about Kenny Galladay. I, you know, I was talking shit last episode, <laughs> yeah. the episode before. So, you know, it's really nice for Kenny Galladay owners because his volume's going to increase and we need that floor to be there a little bit. That's all he's kind of missing right now. And in the red zone, it's going to be all Kenny Galladay all day. Also, we saw Bo Scarborough injured in this game. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Maybe they rush on Johnson back for fun. Who knows? He is practicing again. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny if they did that, actually, uh, to rush him back for these meaningless games with David Blah Blah in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, yeah. that's interesting. Really quick, like this is their injury list for the season. Matt Stafford out on IR. on Johnson, IR. TJ Hawkinson, their first round pick, top 10 pick, IR. Marvin Jones, I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a pretty rough season for the Detroit Lions, that's for sure. What about Amendola, bro? Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, Amendola is very much in play. He's one of these guys when, you know, a poor quarterback is playing, when you have poor quarterback play, as you know, your team is going to rely heavily on short, intermediate targets. So mm-hmm. Danny Amendola provides that. He is the low average depth of target guy of all average, low average depth of target <laughs> guys. It's, you know... I I think Amendola has PPR upside. He's just not a guy that I chase personally mm-hmm. because, you know, he he can have those games where he goes off for 20, 25 points, but he can also have those games where, you know, he's just giving you 10 to 13 points and you're sitting at Terry McLaurin or somebody instead. Uh, it's just not the way I roll. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I kind of said that in jest just because of the player as opposed to the opportunity because I, I think I'm with you. There is definitely some opportunity. Uh, no Hawkinson. There's no Marvin Jones now. If Bo Scarborough's in there, we know he's not catching passes, so um, they they got to throw to somebody. But uh, you know, I'm I'm not starting Danny Amendola unless you know my entire team gets mono or something like that. So <laughs> you know, I, I just <laughs> I just can't bring myself to put Danny Amendola in there. Uh, so you know, it's all Kenny G as far as Detroit pass catching options. Yeah, Kenny Galladay should see the uh, the lion share. Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> So coming off of that uh, marathon's worth of injury news, we are going to do kind of a little bit of quick ups on some guys who had good weeks in week 14. Uh, We thought these were some guys who could be pivotal for fantasy lineups coming through the fantasy playoffs. So uh, we're going to kind of quick hit some of these guys. Ty, why don't you kick us off? Okay, I'm going to go with, you know, nobody that's going to surprise anybody, and that's Michael Thomas. Leads all wide receivers Mm -hmm. in targets, catches, receiving yards. He's still on pace to break Marvin Harrison's all-time catch record. He'll continue his record-setting career pace when it comes to catches and yards as well, like the most catches and most yards through X amount of years uh, coming into the league. And not to mention catch rate. His efficiency is just unbelievably historic. So with Jared Cook's status in question, we could see an even higher ceiling with Michael Thomas, if you can imagine. Last year, Michael Thomas led the NFL in red zone catches. This year, he is still top five, but has a lot of room for growth with Jared Cook out. 
Uh, inside the 10-yard line, Michael Thomas has just three catches this year. Last year, he had 12 catches inside the 10. He had five more catches inside the 10-yard line than seven players who were tied in second place. So he's clearly the focal point of this offense in 2019. So for Michael Thomas, the only question we have to answer for ourselves is, you know, whether they can elevate their offense from what we've seen most of the season here. And I know week 14 against the 49ers, that's, it's just such an amazing sign what he was able to do against the 49ers. Uh, that was the most targets, catches, receiving yards, and fantasy points any wide receiver has had against 49ers all season. Yeah, that game was super fun, man. Very, very fun to watch. Michael Thomas, I mean, he, he's locked in. He's the wide receiver one. Uh, I think for me, he's probably the wide receiver one going into 2020 as far as my rankings. I think at first glance, I think there's no way I can't put him as the wide receiver one. Yep, by far and away almost. You got Nuke there, you got Tyreek there, and then, you know, that, that, that could be your first tier if you want, and then there's a bigger tier right behind them. Yeah, well, and I think I think for me the question as far as his dynasty value was what he was going to do without Drew Brees, uh, and I think what he did with Teddy Bridgewater this year just kind of sealed it for me. Um, so giddy up, MT. Can't guard Mike. <laughs> be like Mike. So who you got for yeah. me? Who do you want to be like? I'm sticking with the same game. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders had a fantastic week this week. He was actually the wide receiver one on the week in PPR formats. Threw a touchdown to the Mostert Tiger, which is pretty sick. Um, Yeah, I mean, what can you say? I think he's kind of sparked this offense in general. Like fantasy aside, I think he's kind of opening things up for Debo and maybe even a little bit for Kittle as well. Um, Kittle, we we talked a little bit before this segment here that Kittle was having a bit of a down game before before the end there. but George Kittle is just locked in, uh, you know, top three tight end and, and probably top tight end for Dynasty. So um, anyway, Emmanuel Sanders is the guy I'm talking about here. So if we kind of look, he, he hadn't really been great the last four weeks before week 14. Nope. Uh, actually, it actually is 157 yards in week 14 was more than all four of those previous games uh, combined so uh, we kind of like to see the uptick he had nine targets which is actually the same amount of targets that he had in that week nine 112 in a touchdown game that he had Uh, it's funny he actually had seven catches on nine targets the same as he did in week 14 so that's kind of what we're looking for as opposed to this you know four or five targets that he had between weeks 10 through 13 so um, I think going forward forward we can we can kind of trust that out of Emmanuel Sanders uh if if we look at the matchups here um just for redraft purposes Atlanta is fantastic coming up in week 15 and then the Rams in week 16 is going to be pretty tough with Jalen Ramsey but you know I I think Kyle Shanahan is a big factor here that even with a top corner much like he played against Marshawn Lattimore in uh, in New Orleans uh, I think a top corner isn't too big a deal the way they run this offense and the way they kind of scheme them open um you know he just had a really good game and for me he's a locked in wide receiver to start going forward as far as dynasty value i'm not sure what what you do with emmanuel sanders he is an unrestricted free agent he's going to be 33 coming up what do you think for for manny sanders as far as dynasty yeah to be honest i i wrote him off in the offseason i didn't write him off in the offseason but he was he had an achilles injury i mean nobody nobody's really recovered from it like the 32 year old Emmanuel Sanders did it was a real Adrian Peterson like recovery so you know I'm not gonna have a lot of faith and you know to be honest that's why I thought we saw this previous four weeks before this uh week 14 blow up uh where you know it took him throwing a touchdown to kind of accumulate so many points but I, I I just have a lot of concerns about 
Emmanuel Sanders for Dynasty. I mean, I'll have zero shares of him in Dynasty. And even in redraft, I, I don't have a lot of interest even going into a nice matchup with Atlanta. In fact, over the last five weeks, uh, Emmanuel Sanders is the third highest ranking wide receiver in fantasy. At wide receiver 11 is Debo Samuel over the last five weeks, who I love. He's no A.J. Brown, but we love Debo. And then uh, mm-hmm. you got Kendrick Bourne ahead of Emmanuel Sanders over the last five weeks, so... You know, I, I just want to note the 49ers can play any way they want right now, too. That's what they've shown us in the last few weeks here. Yeah, I, I can see that for sure. Um, I just I just really like the player. So I'm probably going to start Emmanuel Sanders, especially in that uh, in that week 15 matchup. And then uh, we'll see how it goes moving into week 16. But uh, you want to kick off the next guy? Sure. Let's do Robbie Anderson. Uh, Mr. Anderson has 100 yards or a touchdown in four straight games. Uh, He set new season highs for targets in back-to-back weeks now. We know Robbie Anderson is streaky AF. Like, I've definitely cooled on his dynasty stock over the last, you know, calendar year or so, just seeing how incredibly streaky he is and how it's not necessarily his upside we're seeing. Uh, We're just seeing his spiked weeks, so to speak. Uh, and we have to monitor his contract situation in the offseason this year. But he is streaky. Uh, across the last four weeks, Robbie Anderson is just crushing it for fantasy right now. Uh, I think he's a top 11, 12, somewhere in that range. He's a top 12 wide receiver. Uh, last year, uh, he, you know, in weeks 14 to 16, so our fantasy playoffs, Robbie Anderson was the wide receiver two overall for those three weeks, behind only Nuke Hopkins. And in 2017, for a seven-week stretch, he was the wide receiver six overall. Outside of those stretches, though, Robbie Anderson busts with the bustiest of them. I I have no interest at the moment. I love Robbie A, but with two really, really tough matchups uh, upcoming on the schedule, I, I think his hot streak's about to come to an end. Uh, Robbie Anderson has the Ravens and the Steelers uh, in the next two weeks, so mm-hmm. there's almost no way he cracks my lineup in those in those matchups, unfortunately. Yeah, those are. I, I think a lot of fantasy owners are going to get sucked into that too. Um, personally, I dropped Robbie Anderson a couple weeks before he started playing well, so um, I'm kind of off that boat right now for this season. Uh, what do you think about going forward for Robbie Anderson? The Jets are sure to add something at the wide receiver position to kind of try and tool up for uh, for Sammy D. Uh, what do you What do you think about Robbie Anderson's future outlook? Does that streakiness just make you kind of want to stay away? Yeah, I mean, I think that was kind of me laying my cards on the table, like he. I, mm-hmm. I, I did at one point have a lot of interest in Robbie Anderson. Like we see the talents, we see his ability on go routes and Y routes and all these deep, deep routes. But I, number one, I don't have a lot of faith in Adam Gase. It, it's scary to imagine the fact that he'll probably be back in 2020 to head, be the head coach of the Jets. Like it's just unconscionable to me, but that is probably what's going to happen. So, you know, him taking deep shots on a consistent basis is not something I'm going to bank on that team in general with Sam Darno, you know, I, I thought we'd see a lot more out of them this year. I'll put it that way. So I, I I know that Robbie Anderson has a lot of talent. We don't know what his contract situation is going to be like. I do expect him back with the Jets, to be honest. But, yeah, I expect the Jets to add a big piece in that passing game. I expect Chris Herndon to come back with a fierce fire in his belly for my dynasty rosters. And, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I expect them to, to have a little uh, – you know, a little a little give when it comes to Robbie Anderson. He doesn't need to be a priority in this offense. He just needs to take away the deep threat from the defense. Like, the defense just needs to have their attention paid to Robbie Anderson. And Adam Gase is fine not using him. Yeah, yeah. Gase, Gase is brutal. I think you, you wrapped it up in a pretty nice bow there as far as Robbie Anderson. Um, you good if I move on to the next guy? Go, go, go. This guy is hot in the fantasy community right now. A.J. Brown, giddy up, am I right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, man. I, I'm pretty sure he was your wide receiver one as far as rookies coming into the season, wasn't he? Yeah. Or into oh, the draft process, yeah, right? Yeah, I really, really liked A.J. Brown, especially his versatility, which is like what we've seen a lot of because a lot of people were pegging him as a slot wide receiver. Like, imagine that now. Totally, man. He's been a beast. He's actually top 10 in the league in yards after catch right now. He's got 371 yards after the catch. That's good for seventh in the NFL behind some really, really solid players. So that's just a start on AJ Brown, though. I mean, you look, he's got 20 yards per reception right now. 39 receptions for 779 yards he has right now in you know an offense that saw quite a bit of turmoil before Ryan Tannehill came into the fold so um, I, I think we've definitely we've definitely seen him spike with Ryan Tannehill as opposed to Marcus Mariota um, but it's pretty sweet that he's almost at 800 yards with the way that Marcus Mariota Marcus Mariota played early in the season um I think you know AJ Brown's kind of showing Corey Davis how it's done in my opinion he's, he's showing Corey Davis what Corey Davis was supposed to be coming into Tennessee um and he's done it on like I said fairly limited volume he's averaging five targets a game in the past five games but in those games he has 230 plus yard games he's been fun to watch like stats aside if you watch a Titans game and you see AJ Brown with the ball in his hands he's a really big dude and he can make something happen it's so much fun man yeah it's really amazing what we're seeing from aj brown and you know if we could only imagine derrick henry leaving in the offseason and you know there's a lot of upside for aj brown for sure and the the step he's going to take we know sophomore wide receivers show the biggest growth in fantasy so yeah aj brown big time 2020 I want to go to one of my favorite players in football, and you know, he's a lot of people have a lot of mixed feelings when it comes to this guy. So let's hit Aaron Jones. He leads the Packers in rushing attempts, yards, and touchdowns. Also led them in targets, catches, and receiving yards in Week 14. The targets have come back in a big way over the last couple weeks. Jones is actually second on the Packers in catches this season. He's behind only Devonte Adams. So I'm really, I'm not concerned about the passing work. That was his eighth game with four or more catches this year. And Aaron Rodgers is targeting running backs almost 30% of the time. It's a top five mark in the league, and it's totally unprecedented. When you look back at Green Bay's target distribution over the years and focus on how often Green Bay is targeting their running backs, we quickly see like the biggest change we're seeing under uh, Peter LaFleur there. Uh, in 2019, so almost 30% of their passes are going to running backs. I'm going to go backwards in time here. 17%, 17.5%, 17%, 20%, 17%, 14.5%. So if you do the average, it's right around 17%. <laughs> and so up to 30%, it's just a, a remarkable jump. A remarkable jump. And in true Aaron Jones fashion, the strength of schedule is up and down. It's a hit or miss here down the stretch. Green Bay plays Chicago and Minnesota in the next two weeks. Another reason people are you know, a little off of Aaron Jones in the last few weeks. But Aaron Jones had less than five PPR points for Chicago in their first matchup. He's also had zero success in his career against the Bears. So I really do see where people are coming from. I'm still setting and forgetting Aaron Jones this week in week 15 here. Against Minnesota in championship week, in the first matchup, Aaron Jones went for 25 points in PPR. So those worried about touchdown regression, Jones has scored in back-to-back affairs against the Vikings. So I have a lot of faith in Aaron Jones in the last two games here despite what I'm hearing around the fantasy community. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, he just had such a big bounce back game. And the fact that we've seen his targets go back up in the past two games compared to a little dip that he had there in the season, I personally would kind of lean towards where you're at, where I'd be I'd be fine starting Aaron Jones in those next two. Um, it, just because of how, how good a player he is with the quarterback he plays with, they're going to be amped up for those division games and really trying to kind of kind of make sure they cement themselves as the top team in the division. So uh, I, I like that, man. So who you got for me? You got, uh, <clears throat> so who you got for me? You got Darius Slayton, you got Raheem Mostert. Who's who's your uh, big performer here? Well, I'm actually going to talk about Joe Mixon. Mm. Um, you had, yeah, you had Aaron Jones. He's one of your favorite guys. I wouldn't say Mixon's one of my favorite guys, but you know that I, uh, I'm invested in him in Dynasty. Really like the talent. Uh, I've been been hoping that he could put it together and in week 14 he actually did he had 146 yards and two touchdowns we saw four targets i repeat four targets for joe mixon in week 14 for 40 yards um hallelujah on the targets there because we haven't really seen a whole lot of that i know four targets isn't something to write home to mom about but the way joe mixon plays and the way he is when he gets out in space four targets can be pretty productive for him quietly Joe Mixon is the running back 17 on the year in PPR and so running running back 17 again isn't something to write home to mom about but running back 17 is much better than I would have thought if you asked me at a first glance how Joe Mixon's been doing this year so I mentioned last last podcast that this stretch is gonna gonna have a lot to say about what his value is moving into 2020 Uh, and if we look at the schedule New England is a really tough matchup coming up this week so he's gonna be tough to start based on what he's done previous to week 14 um i might roll him out just because you know he's he's definitely a stud talent and we know he's going to get that volume uh so you might have to take a little bit of a lump with new england i'm hoping he has that you know that decent floor but i'm hoping those targets are still there and then week 16 though give me some joe mixon against miami what are you thinking about Joe Mixon, Ty? I know that you've been kind of up and down and you have him on one of your teams as well. He's been a frustrating own for sure, but where are you at with him? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned he's the running back 17, did you say? Yeah, he is. Yeah. I think I drafted him higher than 17th overall in a draft this year. So, yeah, he's he's been a frustrating own. But what we love is that he did finally have a blow-up game here. His, his performance against the Browns was his first game over 18 PPR points all season long. Mixon had 18 points or more in 50% of his games last year. So... When you look forward to next year, we really, you know, we know we're sitting them against the Patriots, in my opinion, and then you're starting them against Miami if you can squeeze them in. But looking forward to next year, it's going to be completely dependent on how he's used. And the passing game is something I I just harp on constantly with Mixon because it's really unbelievable where he ranks among running backs and targets, catches, receiving yards and all that, you know. That singularity makes me question Zach Taylor as a head coach going forward. With, with that out of the way, though, like Mixon is seeing more of the passing work than he was early in the season. He's he's at about 10% target share in five of the last six games now. But we are still seeing Gio Bernard. And, you know, I should give him a break because he's finally delivering for fantasy owners. If you're not too gun-shy from the first half of the season <laughs> uh, and you have been starting him, he's been delivering for you. Because in the first seven games of the year, Mixon was under 7.5 PPR points uh, four times. He was over 12 PPR points just once in the first seven games. Since then, though, in the last six games, Mixon is over 17 PPR points in five of them. 
Yeah, man, it's been it's been definitely a little bit of an upswing for old Joey Mix. So I like to see that as an owner and, you know, as a football fan who just likes to see talented players get the work that they should get and, you know, show us big plays and, and make stuff happen on the field. I like seeing that for Joe Mixon. Um, I definitely have some questions about Zach Taylor, uh, but I'm hoping getting Jonah Williams back. Hopefully they can piece together um, a, a little bit more uh, production out of this offense all around. Yeah, all we know is whoever they do draft in the top 10 will inevitably be injured for that season yeah whether it's john (laughs) ross whoever (laughs) no and you know like honestly a lot of this has to do with who they bring in in the offseason because if they bring in joe burrow which i expect them to do it would just be Mm -hmm. such a dream scenario storyline for this hometown kid to be you know even though you know there's a lot of rumors that where he grew up there are more uh, steelers fans up there but you know that's neither here nor there the winds of change are a Bruin in Cincinnati, that's for sure. Oh, they're a Bruin, for sure. <laughs> it's the shit winds, Rick. <laughs> it's the shit winds are blowing, Ricky. <laughs> Good shit analogy, Rick. Okay, Ty, so I think we're going to wrap it up off that. We uh, we got a decent amount on this episode, and like I mentioned earlier, we are going to bring a second episode this week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we talked about it's going to be a sophomore wide receiver episode, so we're pretty pumped to get into that. Um We've seen some pretty good sophomore breakouts. So after you listen to this pod, uh, make sure you go hit that next one. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and uh, maybe even give us a download as well. We really, really appreciate the support. Um, and that stuff is definitely a big help um, as far as us being able to continue to bring the pod. Uh, we're having a lot of fun and we hope you guys are too. Uh, Ty, you got anything to add for the listeners as we move into the fantasy semifinals? I'm fired up, buddy. Yeah, me too, man. Just make sure you're really paying attention to these practice reports with all these injuries we've had this week. We need to make sure we're just hammering on these injury reports. We're checking, you know, even beat writers and go on uh, USA Today and go to each individual beat writing site and favorite those sites uh, down the stretcher. It's those little advantages that can, can make a huge difference between, say, picking up a Spencer Ware or picking up some guy who's totally useless on the waiver wire. Yeah, that's really good, man. Make sure that you're uh, trying to soak in as much information as you possibly can. Um, and and that could be the edge in you moving on to that fantasy championship in week 16. Uh, so with that, we're going to ride out. Make sure you uh, follow us on Twitter at TrueNorthFFB and send us a message if you want to interact with us on there. Uh, feel free to shoot us a DM if you have any start sit or any, any fantasy questions of any sort. You can feel free to fire us a message on Twitter. My Twitter handle handle is at tseal14 ty where you at my man yeah you can find me at tnff tyrell i always welcome the dms if you you know anybody wants a research project they you know i wonder last time this happened whatever hit me up i will uh i'll do the legwork and i'll uh i'll publish it out there for you Absolutely. And make sure you visit our site at truenorthffb.com. Ty had a written piece come out earlier this week. And by the time you listen to this, there should be another one out. So definitely make sure you go over there and give it a read. Ty's been working hard and he's putting out some really good written stuff as well as the pod. So, you know, we always appreciate the hard work from you there, Ty. Uh, You know, with that, good luck in the fantasy semis. Hope you get those W's and move on to take the title. Maybe win a little bit of cash too. Thanks again for listening. We will talk to you soon. Peace.